Welcome to episode 2. Our scripture passage is going to be James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. And our message today is going to be called Hard Life, Good God. James 1, 2 through 8 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Maybe you've heard this before, but believers often tell unbelievers, Give your life to Jesus and go to heaven. They often seem to leave out the middle, the hard part called life. But James is more forthright in his gospel, saying it will get harder before it gets easier, and sometimes you are closer to difficulty than you are to Jesus, as it seems. When we are looking in the book of James today, because it's one of the most pragmatic and practical books of the New Testament, this book was written by Jesus' younger brother, James. The book of James paints a backdrop such as this, He says, My name is James, I serve Jesus and any Christians wherever they are, but get ready. The days are dark, life is hard, and it only seems to get more difficult. And this is when Christianity really works, I found. What James is asking us to do is face trials head on and to count them as joy. Really, I mean, are we getting this right by asking this question? I believe we are, that we're to count all trials as pure joy. So we're going to look now at how we can count trials as pure joy and also how we can look at trials of what they are and what they are not. Many people think that God sends trials their way to simply punish them. We ask ourselves, we must have done something wrong or God has paid me back for something I didn't do. Uh, Maybe it's the fact that I forgot my quiet time last week or that I've grown lazy in my faith or that I ignored the prompting of His Holy Spirit. But this is simply not true. Remember, we reap what we sow, we make bad choices, and we have to live with the implications and the complications of our everyday lifestyle. But God never punishes his people for their sin. He has already punished Jesus. That's why he carried the cross for us, so that we can actually live in grace and mercy. Many people also think that if you're going through trials, that God has somehow abandoned you, that he's asleep. But it's natural to think that God is near when times are good, and when it's hard, we believe that he's far away. But we need to take God at his word. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you even to the end of the age. God has not abandoned any of us. We're not orphans. God is not a father in our life one moment and gone the next. God is in this for the long haul. He simply doesn't abandon us whenever times get bad. Another misconception is that God will take away all of our trials. This is called greeting card Christianity. It reads like this. It's hard. It's going to be great. Just wait, okay? God doesn't promise the things will change, but God promises us that we will change. The reality is life might get better, but the reality is it also might get worse at times. So let's jump back to the text of James 1, 2-4. James does say that life is hard, but we're to count it as joy. We're to count it as joy, brothers, 
when you meet various kinds of trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You will notice the word twice here. It's pretty important. And let steadfastness, there it is again, have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James actually tells us three things about trials. First, he says that everyone in the room or everyone in the world or everyone listening today is going to have trials. He says when trials come, they will soon. I will say this again. You will have trials. A 100% chance. New Christians, I believe, are often surprised by this. They say, this Christianity thing really hasn't worked out because it hasn't really worked out any of my problems. So let's recap. James states that life is going to hurt. Trials will come. Basically, this is Ecclesiastes 101 or Life 101. The second thing James states is that when trials come, know this. Don't forget this. Cling to this. A test can end with a good or bad grade. It depends on how good you are at test taking. If you pass the test, then you might think the test is encouraging. Life is filled with tests, a spiritual test that is. A trial is simply that, a test. Here's what it means. It is an opportunity. It is an opportunity to prove who you are in Christ, to see if you are becoming more like him. When it first hits, it feels like an attack, a brick wall, or a hindrance. And he says... I want you to know this. It's a test. The last thing James tells us about tests is that we will have trials of various kinds. Some might include financial, emotional, spiritual, mental, relational, marital, or vocational kinds of tests. Various tests. Often they do not come at one time, and they could come from anywhere. So be on guard. Trials will come. But the great news is today that they produce two things. They produce in a spiritual maturity and steadfastness. Steadfastness is simply fortitude. It means to stand firm. It's like the stern command given to a soldier. It means to weather the storm or to make it through or not to give up. If you receive it as a trial, a test, an opportunity, and produce steadfastness, then it will result in spiritual maturity. This means that you'll grow godlier, more like Christ, or growing in holiness. Trials are used to transform us into the character of Christ. Often we pray to become more like Christ, but when trials come, we shirk away from the hardship that they bring. Now we come to the part that God is good, and I mean he's always good. Maybe your life right now is not good. Maybe it feels rather terrible. Maybe it started off with you arguing with your children about maybe a bad grade that they received in school or that they weren't listening to the teacher. Maybe it's that you have a rambunctious teenager that simply just won't listen to you. Or maybe it's something more deep than that. Maybe it's that you can't have children and you've been trying for quite a while. Or maybe it's that you suffer with depression. Maybe it's that you have a parent who has lost mobility and they simply can't take care of themselves anymore. It could even be a crazy family member or an unpredictable financial issue that you didn't see. But God is good. And how do we know he's good? Well, first of all, it's his nature. God can't do anything else besides be good. We are created in his image, and he actually said that we were very good. Which, if we're very good, then what is God? He's ultimately good. Second, God gives us wisdom. And he gives it away generously, just like he did to Solomon. When we do not accept his wisdom, 
We are like that wave tossed about, unstable and double-minded. Remember, love is a planned direction. Christ from his inception, when he moved into our neighborhood and actually became the incarnate God and lived here with us, he literally had a purpose in mind, a direction, and that direction was the way of the cross. And we are to be the same, of having one direction towards suffering so that we can become more Christ-like. When the storms of life come, we can actually do one of four things. First, we can become macho and fight, as if we're going to get tough to get through it. The second thing we can do is flight. We can run for our life away from it. Three, we can become paralyzed by our fear and literally live in a frightened stage that, Lord, I am literally freaking out about this. And then lastly, hopefully the one that we choose is actually to live by faith. And that is just to say that I trust God with my future and I know he's directing my steps. The right question to ask when a trial comes along is, what do I need to do now and how can I be steadfast? What is God trying to produce in me and how can I count my life as pure joy today? I wonder, are we seeing the big picture? This message is not an easy one to accept, but it is a wonderful one. Sometimes the hardest things in life are simply the best things. The reality is most of us probably, if we're honest, feel very unstable. We're probably feeling emotional or volatile. We change our minds often and we constantly alter our everyday direction. We get wise counsel and foolish counsel and integrate them together and we call that the will of God. Our world is not lacking in information, but it is lacking in wisdom. So today, let's pray for wisdom and ask God for it, because it produces perseverance. We should run to it, look for it, and expect it. It's in Scripture. It's in prayer. It's in Holy Spirit. It's in the spiritual disciplines. It's in general revelation. It's in mentor's experience. And lastly, it's found in theology. And now is the time to reflect on all that's been shared. This is not a time to deny your feelings, but submit them to the faith in God who rules over all the storms in life. Ask God to help us return all of our circumstances and move them into joy. Will you pray with me today? God, we're coming to you in a spirit of prayer. It is our way of counting all things pure joy. It is our way of asking for wisdom. Holy Spirit, we invite you and we beg you, we welcome you, to pray a hard thing, and that's to give us trials. Give us the wisdom of Christ so that we would be more like him. At this time, we also give you our sin, all of our hang-ups, all of our habits, and all of our screw-ups. We do this to honor you and to bring you fame. We're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ, and we pray. Amen.